Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're bringing in October with a spectacular episode of Shooting the Flames. That's right. Also, we're the Film Flamers. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jumped the gun on the episode description. But Damn it. Hey, that's okay. They know who we are by now. I'm just so excited about Halloween month. Finally. Uh, and yeah, he's right. We have a jam-packed spooky season Shooting the Flames for y'all. We do. But let's start with a new review. Yes, we love new reviews. And we got one from Kenaleep. That's right. Who says, fun, creepy time. Love these guys. Thanks for the amazing content. Short and to the point. That's right. And you're welcome. And thank you for listening and for that review. Well, should we just go ahead and dive into comments? Yes, we got a veritable metric shit ton of comments to go through. And we're going to start with our deep dive episode into A Nightmare on Elm Street. Starting with George over on Patreon, who said, fun episode. Also, (laughs) I put that one in there. Short and sweet and to the point. Thank you, George. Battle Burrito, also on Patreon, said, I was legit surprised how much I liked this movie having never seen it before. Good. It's a good movie. Yeah. And it took you a long time to watch it, Battle Burrito. Well, it's also validating to see that it's not just nostalgia boner for some of these classics, you know? That's true. Because a lot of the comments that are coming up for this episode have a lot of nostalgia tied to them. At Tune BTS Army Marina from Insta said, Hi, guys. I love this movie. So happy you're covering this series. Sending much love from the UK. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams to you, Marina. Yeah. Which I assume is your name. At Display Scarab on Instagram said, oh, my God, hands down, one of my favorite horror movie series growing up. Freddy is my childhood monster under my bed. Can't wait to hear this episode. Sweet dreams. Oh, we're saying the thing. And we hope that y'all liked this episode. I mean, after saying something like it's like hands down, one of your favorites, like I hope we did it justice. Yeah. At Fimbot18 from Insta said, per my voicemail, so very excited for this. I first watched this when I was five and have been a huge fan ever since. I have no idea what my mom was thinking, but so glad she didn't give a shit. Even flew from Philly to Orlando to meet Robert England and Heather Langenkamp at a horror movie convention. Thanks so much for covering this and making all of my nightmares come true. Oh, you're welcome, Fimbot18. Uh, Robert England and Heather Langenkamp were at a horror convention that we were at, but we did not get to meet them as their lines were very long. And then by the time the lines were short, they were being escorted out the building. Yes. Their lines were very long and full of terror. That's right. Maybe next time, though. Uh, Next up from our deep dive into A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Friday's Revenge, Battle Burrito also from Patreon, said, Knowing the kind of hell Mark Patton went through due to this film makes me wish I had liked it more than I did. That said, I'm very glad the horror community at large has embraced it as an iconic queer horror. That's right. And honestly, that movie is so much more enjoyable if you watch it with the companion piece of that documentary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's exactly what we kind of covered, right? So hopefully people watch that way. But that's really the only comment we got on that episode. That's it. I mean, across all the platforms. Wow. So... Yeah. I really thought that we would have gotten more comments about the gay one. Yeah. But I mean, that's not to say you can't go and comment on it now. So go listen. And we read comments from way back. That's right. We have some comments from way back coming up later in this episode. We do. So 
From our shooting the flames back in September, Nicole over on Patreon said, just listened and the pregnancy horror thing brought back some memories. I couldn't watch for a few years. I had postpartum anxiety with my first and would get worked up imagining my baby in all of these wildly dangerous scenarios to a point where I couldn't sleep. It sucked. It wasn't as bad with the second kid, but it was still there. I think the hormones just crank the protective drive into overdrive and you have to wait until it resets. On the upside, it's gone now, and kids are getting to an age where we actually share the movies I love. Well, that's great. And I think I commented at length on this one because it's just super interesting to me that as we become parents, especially mothers, Mm -hmm. just how much of our inner workings are dependent on these like hormones and everything else, because this seems to be almost universal when there's a new mother and they cannot watch horror anymore because it just cranks up that protective drive and makes you kind of want to run screaming away from, you know, anything that's even fake horror at this point. Right. Because like we we're born with all of these, like, uh, you know, innate fears, like fear of falling, loud noises, things like that. Uh, fear of spiders, snakes, things that would naturally kind of be bad for us. Harm us. Yeah. You know, uh, bad smells like, shit dead bodies things like that these things are here to to protect us right and how much of that is based on like genetic memory and hormones you know and so it's just a really interesting subject for me i agree you know and i mean i feel like this is a topic that's worth discussing with people who've experienced that right similar to what we did with nikki right when she came on to a shooting the flames episode Mm -hmm. i think it's an interesting conversation to have because i have a friend who's also a patron and she you know, likes horror and has recently like gotten back into horror, like in full swing. Right. But even still, I mean, her kids are older now, so she may have gotten past all this, but if there's something remotely involving like children in peril or she just can't do it, she just cannot because it makes her brain go to these kinds of places. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, especially if I end up like adopting a kid at some point, like Mm -hmm. what my brain will be like around like, kids in horror movies or if it's like even scarier for me like if i watch it or like you know the black phone or something like that if i'm gonna be like oh my god well when that happens and i come over to babysit the kid just know we're watching all these movies okay that child yeah. and i great because so, <laughs> i will not have that kind of instinct i'll be like hey you want to watch this movie you want to watch saw <laughs> You're five now, right? I feel like the straight horror movies are basically like drama or comedies to these kids. Like it was for me, it yeah. was the the horror comedies that I thought were were actually scary when I was a kid because they're so over the top and obvious mm-hmm. that like a kid can actually get it. And then that's what scared me. Well, that's true too. Like Critters was the scariest thing on earth for me. I mean, as a kid, that was scary. But I watched like Silence of the Lambs and I was like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say that now though. No. Uh, Nicole continued over on Patreon and said, guys, journey to hell. I'd say there are not enough boozes or drugs in the world, but there probably are. That was that trailer about that guy going to hell from. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hell no. Never watching that. What a pile of shit. I mean, I, I may watch it. But there are enough drugs in the world to make me sit there and like laugh at it. Yeah. So. If I, it was a group watch and we were like kind of inebriated, I think I could do it. And I think yeah. we would laugh at it. I think we should do it actually at some point. Okay. Well, I mean, there's like the 50 other things on our list, but that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the unknown patron over on Patreon said, I'm totally up for backdraft and twister doubleheader. Yeah, we're really thinking of doing the, you know, we've actually been thinking since before we even recorded the first time mm-hmm. uh, on our list of, of kind of themes. And we want to do disaster horror and, and some, and, and eventually maybe like real world horror. But I think uh, we really want to do like, especially twister. Yes. Right? And so something like that from around kind of like late eighties, early nineties, I don't know. That's a big spread backdraft was, I feel like late eighties and twister was like 95. Yeah. There's a, there's a gap in time between those. I don't know, but it's still kind of the same generation. So I, I'd, I'd be totally up for something like that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to do Trister and I really like backdraft. I totally see backdraft as a horror movie. I love that there's lines and kind of like in both of those movies where it's like, it's coming after you or it has a mind of its own. You know right. what I mean? So it's kind of interesting. And I also just like, disaster movies in general right so i mean i'm okay with any of them but yeah. twister is probably like one of my favorite like fun watches it's it not is. the best movie but it's it's really fun no it's solidly entertaining it keeps your interest it's right yeah. bennett over on patreon said i was surprised to hear you guys have such a negative response to the trailer for the new interview at the vampire series i watched it twice now and i thought it looked fine and dandy it's been well over a decade since I read that particular book, so maybe I'm just not remembering a whole lot. It's also not my favorite of the Vampire Chronicles. That would be a tie between the Vampire Lestat and Memnock the Devil. But I know it was a great jumping point for the series. My biggest takeaway was that they cast a black actor to play Louis, which seems appropriate. The only casting that got me scratching my head is seeing Eric Bogosian playing Daniel, the interviewer. He's a fine actor, but in the looks department, the same guy who plays the fictional version of Bernie Sanders on Succession it's hard to compete with a young Christian Slater. So what got you guys clutching your pearls or cringing in disgust about it so much, huh? So I thought we were pretty clear about it when we talked about it, but it's the fact that, and, and I think we've talked about it previous to this too, yeah. because they announced these changes. And it's it's not the fact that an, an actor is black or white or whatever. Like I am fighting the fucking crusade for the black mermaid. Yes, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm fighting the fucking crusade for the black elf. Yes. I mean, like Tolkien never described, like, do you think elves actually have pointed ears? Tolkien never described them that way. You know, like we, we take a lot of this stuff for granted, you know, like the fact that we've got grown men out there, you know, dying on the hill of the little mermaid needs to be white. So stupid, you know, or whatever. And then there's like, there's literally like unironic videos on YouTube of like sociologists, like racist sociologists being like, well, this is what color mermaids would actually be or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh my God. It's really just pathetic and stupid and gross. You know, uh, this is a little different because it's not the fact that he is black or even really about Louis in general. Um, part of it is, I, I think, right? Because in the original story, he is a slave owner and a plantation owner, and that is part of his story. Right. Right. And part of his kind of redemption arc, his early redemption arc, right, is to let free the slaves, not only to, to get rid of, you know, the slavery aspect, but also to save their fucking lives from Lestat. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's a whole part of this story. And also they're changing Claudia's age to where she's a teenager instead of trapped in a child's body. Right. And they're changing all of these things. And I'm like, that's not really asked for. You know, if something is a part of the story and you're jumping time by like 150 years or something like or 200 years or whatever the fuck it is, like it's changing Louis's story completely. But that being said, I have heard amazing early buzz about this show and I am now much more on board just from the reactions of Anne Rice fans that I've seen. Okay. So I'm going to give the, the benefit of the doubt, but 
I'm going to go in with saying like, if don't mess with perfection, you know what I mean? This is a beloved franchise and story for a reason, you know? And I would also agree that, um, some of my favorite books are the vampire Lestat and I'm not the devil and queen of the damned. So those are great choices, Bennett. So our complaints don't come from like a racist place for sure. No, it's, it's more about changing the story. Exactly. I, cause this is the only book of the series I've read and I've read this book multiple times and I really like the movie version of this as well, which we've covered on a deep dive. Right. Yeah. And I like, it's, it's the changes to the story that I don't like. Yeah. And Eric Bogosian's part of that. Right. So they're moving it forward every time. Like, Oh, it's supposed to be done in the seventies, like interviews. So what would the age of the actors and everything be if this happened 30 years later or 40 years later? And I'm like, who cares? Just make them the same characters if we're going to update the timeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I will watch it, you know? And so, and the thing is, is that like interpretation of source material is <clears throat> up to the, the people who are making it, right? This is not the first time that something has been adapted into a work, either a series or a movie, where they've made significant changes to the characters or the setting or the time period. This is nothing new, you know? Yeah. But I feel like when people go and watch these things and they have problems with the changes, I mean, like, usually it's kind of justified. I also kind of don't like what happens with legendariums when adaptions are so different yeah because like what's happening with rings of power right now people are going on and being like well that's not like the movies were and this is in thinking like that the movies were the books you know they do that for all kinds of franchises right and so you know three to five to ten years from now we're going to hear people being like you know um well this was true to the books because you know he was uh, you know, a black guy that owned a bar or whatever and everything else. And they're, they're not having read the book, you know, I think at some point though, we have to let it go because at the end of the day, there's more people are going to be going to the books and reading them because it generated interest yeah. rather than all these like, you know, lukewarmies, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, Johnny come lately's, mm-hmm. you know, coming to the franchises and thinking that they know everything about it, you know, when they don't. And hopefully it does encourage people to go back and read some of these books. I know that I really need to continue down my, my path on the vampire chronicle experience. It also makes, seems almost like a judgment to me. Like, well, Anne Rice was wrong to write about this in this way or something like that. So we're going to change yet because of, you know, modern views and stuff. And I'm like, no, we need to see this stuff to see how harmful and bad it was in represented in you know, uh, pop culture and everything else. If we start erasing this stuff, we don't learn from it anymore. That's right. Well, people are trying to do that anyway in the public school system. So, but anyway, that's a totally different conversation, but yeah, Bennett, I hope that clears things up for you just a little bit. And I hate how people are using like woke as like a pejorative now. I fucking hate that. Are they really? Yeah, of course. Well, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. The right is all about this woke show or this woke Hollywood and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, um, so being aware of racism and being against it openly is a bad thing. Is that what you're trying to say? Like what? I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at that. I don't get it. Like, okay, you know, woke is a weird term. <laughs> just sounds weird. You know, just like calling the pandemic, the pandy. <laughs> oh my God. I never want to hear that again. You told me that shit today. Oh my God. We're coming out of the pandy or whatever. Like that's so stupid. Do you remember what it was like at the beginning of the pandy? <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a brunch cutening of a disastrous point in American history or world history for that matter. And I won't have it still. I don't know. They're using it as a pejorative term 
you know? And so I'm just like, you know, that just tells me way more about you than it does about me. So when we went to go see, this is an off topic thing. I mean, I want to cut this out, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. So my friend and I went to go see a like staged version of clue, right? One of our favorite movies. And at the beginning of the performance, they have this whole thing that would be considered woke, right? Like talking about people with disabilities and like paying homage to like Native American lands that the theater sits on and stuff like that. It was very long and very inclusive. And I thought it was a really good thing to have. They're talking about people who may be sensitive to like light or not be able to hear properly. I mean, it just encompassed everything and there were so many children at this performance right i'm like this is good because i've heard people say like texas is a bad place and texas is super racist yeah and like this these people like really took the time to acknowledge like every single person that could possibly be in the audience yeah and i was like that's a really really good thing to do and i hope they do that in front of every performance of this theater yeah they're trying to hamletize themselves and the whole soliloquy what i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you say hamletize yeah not Hamiltonized, they're Hamilton. Hamiltonized. Oh. <laughs> Hamiltonized. I was just like, it's a little quick. Holding up a skull and saying we are woke. <laughs> Poor Yorick. When she was woke. <laughs> to be woke or not to be woke? <laughs> that is the question. That is the question. Get anyway, the... Bennett, that's your answer. <laughs> Get thee to a nunnery. <laughs> From our top 10 into horror novels, uh, which is a way back episode. Which, you know, we love getting comments for older episodes. That's right. Pre-pandemic. Kristen Kristen over on Instagram says, Hey guys, love the podcast. I just listened to your top 10 horror novels episode. And I have a few recommendations. The Harper Connolly mystery series by Charlene Harris is about a woman who can speak to the dead. And a Mexican Gothic and Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Marina Garcia is also a great Gothic novel read. You guys also mentioned Christopher Pike. Have you read the thirst vampire series? No, but I own it and I have given it out. I've loaned it out and other people that I know have read the whole series and given it back to me and I've never read it. Is it Christopher Pike? Yeah. I've never heard of it. No, it's a, it's like a tome. It's like half of one of my bookshelves. I think that I've seen it on your bookshelves, actually. Yeah, they're all white books with yeah, the yeah, yeah. lady's face on it. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the newer printing, though. I don't have the original printing. I have a bunch of the original printings for the uh, the the YA novels and some of the adult novels for Christopher Pike, including Season of Passage. Soon to be a major motion picture. Have you read any of those? I've read Season of Passage. No, I mean, the ones that she just recommended. Oh, I have not read Mexican Gothic, and I have not read the Harper Connolly Mystery Series, but I am a big fan of Charlene Harris, because I have read all the Sookie Stackhouse books. I was going to say, that sounds like the True Blood. Yeah. yeah. So um, I really, really enjoyed those True Blood books a mm-hmm. lot. They're quick reads. Fun. She's, an, she's, she's a good author and, like, easy to read. So I... We may take your recommendation up on that and check them out because I really enjoyed her other books. Sweet. From our episode, from our deep dive into Prometheus, Nikki over on Patreon said, great episode. Glad for the rewatch, but I have one nit to pick. I was all for Vickers torching Charlie. Absolutely no remorse. Of course, I felt bad for Shaw, but there is no way I'm letting him on that ship. And glad you gave Idris his due. That man is always fire on screen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. We might have to do a top 10 hottest guy things. He won that episode, right? Obviously. Oh, oh, you chose budget Tom Hardy, I think. Yes. 
But I feel, I mean, like, I think <laughs> we both agree that Idris Elba, there's a lot of choices in that movie. And Idris Elba is super fine. So, yeah, I'm about it. Mm. And as far as torching Charlie, did I we feel, say we disagree with that? No, I I feel like someone else commented last shooting the flames too. Oh, that could be it. Or I don't know, but something we, we talked about this a little bit before and I think we were on board. Although I did say like it, it was painful, more painful this time, I think, but he was on board with it. You know what I mean? He yes. was trying to, he, was, he, he wanted to, die. he walked away from the group and was like, do it, mm-hmm. you know? Cause he knew he recognized that he was, you know, going to start a pandy. <laughs> how many times is that gonna come up with this episode uh, the pandy i'm gonna start using it in fucking conversation now now it's already in my fucking brain so could you way to save me <laughs> from the pandy <laughs> so from our patreon poll for a west craven movie last month we had deadly blessing deadly friend snack and the rainbow shocker and red eye and of course <laughs> snack or serpent depending on your you know preference uh serpent in the rainbow was the winner uh but we had some comments and i thought it was interesting uh nicole said this is a tough one but i would have to go with shocker since it has peter berg and mitch peleggy i love watching mitch peleggy he's always fun peter berg back in the time of shocker was a pretty attractive individual yeah one of my my first like little gay boy crushes Hmm. also i like shocker and i'm kind of sad we didn't get to do that movie just because of all the like offensive off-color jokes you know well this is the plan right we talked about this a little bit i think or maybe it was just one of my internal monologues and um every year now we're going to be doing you know for the next couple years we're going to be doing nightmare on elm street series and probably doing another poll for west craven and so whatever you don't vote for this year is probably going to be on a poll for next year plus another grab bag of what's Craven movies of stuffs. Yeah. So if you want to watch shocker next year, you'll vote for it next year. That's right. Penelope said, presuming you don't die in another pandy. (laughs) 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 Can't help myself. Oh God. Penelope said serpent in the rainbow. Oh my God. One of my favorite zombie films and voodoo. Come on y'all make it happen. And we did. (laughs) random dude said deadly friend would definitely have a more interesting well actually this is australian so should i read it in an australian accent can you deadly friend i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that was nice deadly Deadly friend i don't know i I went irish for a second there deadly friend would definitely have a more interesting behind the scenes deep dive into what happened to this movie but shocker would be my pick as it is such a classic horror film that no one ever talks about we were just saying two in the pink one in the sting um what? i just had to say it one time since we didn't get to is that where that movie that, that saying comes from shocker yeah not from that movie but but i know what the shocker is that's I what i think of that or like originally that's what i was talking about. oh i think that predates a killer that goes after you with like the, <laughs> the shocker <laughs> that sexy vulcan thing on two in the big one of the stick <laughs> sexy vulcan thing wow <laughs> I'm never going to be able to forget that. <laughs> Random dude, just FYI, Deadly Friend was my choice from that poll because I like that movie very much, even though it is terrible. Yeah. From our derp dive into The Exorcist to The Heretic, Bennett commented, Well, boys, I still haven't watched this trash classic yet, <laughs> but it is currently available on Tubi, so thankfully I can watch it for free. And on a positive note, Though the main theme from the score sounds god-awful to me, this episode of your podcast has made me rediscover the Beach Boys, and especially Kokomo. 
done in Pocomo. We'll get there fast and then we'll take, take it slow. That's where we want to go. Way down at Kokomo. Two in the pink, one in Kokomo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is funny because Bennett has come back to this episode because it's one of, I, think, I guess it's one of his favorites. It's one of a couple of people's favorites because it's just hilarious. But no, none of these people are actually watching the movie, I guess. But they're loving the episode. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. His first kind of thing was like, is the wait, is that music actually in the movie? And right. Yes, it is, of course. It's by Ennio Morricone, <laughs> which is weird. And then uh, just recently, he just left us this comment that says, like, he still hasn't watched it, but it's on Tubi. So beware of Tubi. There are commercials. Yeah. And so you'll be an extra expert with dishwasher liquid by the time you're done watching a movie. And I don't know that commercials would make this movie any better. Probably much, much worse. Probably not, I would imagine. How did we watch it? We must have. Uh, it was on HBO Max at the time. Oh. Well, hopefully you can find it somewhere else. But it just watch the movie, dude. Go watch it. Uh, or just yeah. keep listening to our episode. I mean, or both, you know? Like, I feel like you need to watch this trash It's closet. a good companion piece to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the actual film is a great companion piece. <laughs> Um, yeah, you'll be able to enjoy it at a deeper level. There's a movie that we are covering coming up in October. Spoiler alert. That is available. It's on Tubi, right? Is that where you watched it? What? Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Oh God. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Just stay tuned. So we got one more, uh, question comment. This was an email actually from Bennett. And, uh, do you want to read it? Hello, Tired Queens. I was recently listening to one of your bonus flashback episodes from a while ago and thought I'd share some news with you. I'm an actor in my local community theater scene and a pretty busy one at that, too. So I'll be making my stage directing debut, which is going to be a staged reading of Tennessee Williams suddenly last summer. The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Not only will it be my stage directing debut, but it's one... But it's my first foray into any of Tennessee Williams' works, and I'm sure you know it's a real doozy. Even that streetcar? (laughs) Stella! Name Desire? (laughs) Having seen the 1950s film and read the play, there are a few differences between the two, but the differences that do exist are major. Since it's a one-act play, Gore Vidal's screenplay had to expand some scenes with additional dialogue, and Liz Taylor sure tries to spell out what's going on, but the fucking censors made her frustration palpable on screen. The most dramatic difference is the forever monologue she gives at the last half hour, where we actually see flashbacks of the events leading up to her cousin Sebastian's death. Sebastian! <laughs> ah! <laughs> There is no such explicit narrative device in the play where we only hear her view of events and are left wondering how much, if any, of what she's described is true. Also, Violet Venerable, arguably the best drag queen name in ages, reaches, reacts differently in both versions. In the film, Catherine Hepburn exits off the elevator in a sort of trance-like state of denial, while in the play she is angrily hauled off stage after trying to cane her niece to death. How subtle. Mm. The most notable similarity between the two and the best singular clue as to what the fuck is going on in this show is how Catherine, Liz Taylor in the film, explains how she and Violet both procured for her cousin Sebastian. Until I looked up that word, the whole show was a mystery to me. Ugh. Just thought I'd share that all with you. 
You've never used the word procured in casual conversation? I mean, I like it when people procure for me. You must not have me. the Dickensian proclivity that we do. <laughs> I know. That's fucking awesome, though, Bennett. I love Southern Last Summer. So if any of you are scratching your heads in confusion, go back to our Patreon bonus episode on Suddenly Last Summer. Mm-hmm. It was a Pride Month episode, right? Yeah, and we did it in Boston. We recorded it in Boston. We, re- we watched it and recorded it in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, right. Good times. We were Salem adjacent at the time. Well, Bennett, we wish you all the luck with this. I know you're going to do a good job, and um, please share all the deets with us, yeah. right? If you film it or something like that, send us the videos. Also, I still think the best drag queen name in ages is like whatever it was, like Sharon from accounting or something. Karen from finance. Karen from finance. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I'm watching that season right now. I love that fucking name. But honestly, the best drag name is mine. Perfecta Erecta. I still like Shushu Fontaine. Yeah. We got some voicemails. Let me hear them. Oh, my God. This is Ashley from Philadelphia, a longtime listener. I think this is my second time calling in. And what may you be wondering has prompted me to call after all these years. I just heard you say, Chris, that you guys are going to cover Nightmare on Elm Street. OMG, I have been waiting for this. Four years now, and I am so effing excited that I had to call and I had to scream. Woo! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, I forgot to mention my handle is fembot18 on Insta, and um, it's it's me, Ashley from Philly. So I'm one and the same. I just wanted to make that clear. Bye. Well, hey, Ashley. In fact, I was scrolling back up on my notes because I remembered something about Philadelphia to Orlando in conjunction with the Night Right Elm Street. I was like, this has got to be the same person. It is. We've been getting comments from her for quite a while. Right. We don't always like to say people's names that we that are not patrons, right? So if it's on social media, I will just give their handle or something like that. Yeah, if the name isn't disclosed publicly already, we're yeah. not going to say it unless it's like in your name on Patreon or in your name on your social. So I have seen your name on Instagram, but now from now on, we'll just call you Ashley if that's okay since you've called in and have joined the voicemail family. Yeah. So we hope that you enjoyed the fuck out of that episode. Yeah, yeah, she was so excited. I was like, mm, did we do a good enough job on that? I think so. I mean, George said it was a fun episode. Yeah, I almost feel like our, you know, even though it's a better movie, like the movie is like, we're a fine companion piece to the movie, right? Yeah. But really where we did the better job, I think, is with the sequel, right? Because there was just so much more meat behind the scenes and, uh, you know, interesting things to talk about. Way more interesting than the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would agree. But yeah, Ashley, we hope that you enjoyed it very, very much. Thanks for calling in. You sounded very excited. I hope that excitement continued post-episode listening. So let us know. Let us know. We have some new patrons. Oh, my God, do we? That's right. The first one is Mr. E. Patron. We see what you did there. That's right. And uh, he's from Europe. That's right. That is not a dollar symbol. No, it's not. And Hunter C., so welcome both of y'all to the Patreon family. But as always, we have to shout out our patrons at the Film Flamer tier or higher on Patreon. And they are Kyle, Ben, Kimberly, Lisa, Penelope, and Wall Stretch. But especially Kyle, who updated his pledge to 
film inferno level past the film flamer level that's right my god is he flaming for us he is and we appreciate it we appreciate the shit out of it and i think we owe you some special things yeah i think yeah i sent him an email uh i don't think i heard back maybe if you message us on patreon i don't know if that went through i can never trust Patreon. maybe i emailed directly i don't know but if you want something from us sexual favors recording whatever i mean i've already been talking about the shocker in this episode so kyle just reach out yeah Reach around. (laughs) Horror news. Uh, We have, well, we have some news for you guys. Yes. Starting off with uh, Interview with the Vampire, the series that's coming to AMC that we've already talked about on this episode. Season two has already been ordered. Right. And I think this must have something to do with all of the amazing buzz coming out. And I think it's premiering in October. Yes, it is. And then the Mayfair Witches will be coming after that. Sweet. Right. Okay. So I'm glad that it's, you know, generated interest and a lot of buzz before it's even come out, which almost never happens with horror. So I feel like that was the plan, though. Like way back on a Shooting the Flames, we talked about this when it was announced and they had mentioned that they were going to work through all the books, right? In the Chronicles. Well, we know, right? Yes. They're going to do like a season per book depending on how fast they can do the story based on how dense each book is. Right. That's the, that was always the plan. Yes. But whether it, it succeeded enough to do that was always in question. Okay. Right. I mean, it could go directly from interview the vampire to the vampire Lestat or some sort of, you know, weird combination of that with queen of the damned. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like the movie was, which no, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm hoping that they're able to do that. And you know, and hopefully that's the success enough for us to get Queen of the Damned. And hopefully that's enough success to get, you know, Tale of the Body Thief, which, you know, Christopher Rice has had a actual movie screenplay for that he wrote himself for mm-hmm. a long, long time because that that was optioned several times. So it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves. But I am here for it, especially if it is good. Yeah, I'm interested to see it based on the buzz. And I mean, the trailer was was OK, you know, and so and plus I'm. I'm very, very gay. We're warming to it. So I'm up for all the, the queer shit. We have achieved half chub. We, we have achieved half chub for this and mayhaps full on by the time the first episode airs. That's right. We'll find out. Engorged. <laughs> so next up is Deadpool 3. Uh, Hugh Jackman is coming back to play Wolverine one more time. I don't really care. Yeah, I, I think I just. I'd rather this. them all just be recast. Oh, Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, Wolverine's not supposed to be like, here I am. (laughs) Here I go. Wolverine's not supposed to be six foot fucking three. He's supposed (laughs) to be five foot two. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, actually, like, age appropriate and, like, description appropriate would be great for this time around. Silence. Within the MCU. Silence, elf. (laughs) You know? But I I was just hoping this reset would mean something, you know, but they're, they're full steam ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about it either. I threw it in there because I think I thought you might have something to say about it, honestly. But And I have. And you have. So you have succeeded in fulfilling my expectations. Yes. So I did like the two Deadpool movies, and we had a bonus episode about those two, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes. And um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the third one. I love that like horror movie music they do in the second one where it's like, but the chanting in the background, if you listen, it's holy shit falls. 
That's part of our episode. Because <laughs> yeah. it was the first time I had to put an MP3 into an episode that I edited. <laughs> so right. I was just like, yes. <laughs> <sighs> Good times. Indeed. So we all know it's been a big year for Ty West, right? He had X that came out earlier this year and Pearl came out just a couple weeks ago and is getting lots of critical acclaim. But there's going to be a third movie in this X verse and it's called Max Scene and it is inspired by the VHS boom of the 1980s. I wonder if this is actually a continuation of that story, three different time periods. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Starring the same same chick. Mia Goth. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering like if he can come out with this before like December 31st, if he's gonna break some sort of record. I think I think that's the plan. I think this movie is done, if not almost done. I think they they filmed these things in like record fucking time. What a year for this director. For real. Like when he's this teaching he's happened. putting every other fucking director to shame. And like what studio is just green lighting whatever the fuck he wants? This is crazy. Like no director has been able to do what he has achieved. A twenty four, baby. I yeah. mean, like, Holy come shit. on. I mean, yes. So yeah. So this man has had like an entire trilogy of films come out in one year's time, I hope. Because that would be like the coolest fucking thing. Ever. I wonder if he's going to get some sort of deal like um, Mike Flanagan got from Netflix for like this like multi-year, multi-deal, multi-show deal. I feel like Ty West has been on the up on the upswing for like his movies are good, right? And he didn't used to be. I mean, I like House of the Devil a lot. You know, Maybe I think I it's a good movie. One. But I mean, I really, really liked X. Right? Maybe and it was VHS. I didn't really like, but he only did one segment. One segment in VHS. Yeah. Okay. And I really want to see Pearl like super bad. Me too. I haven't seen it yet. And I'm, I'm kind of like pissed at myself about you it. You still need to see the weird Verbo one. Vivarian? Yeah. No. Vivarian. Yes. I thought you said Vivarium. I was like, no. No, I've already seen Vivarium. <laughs> that movie's terrible. <laughs> uh, no more movies with screaming kids. <laughs> but I'm on board for Maxine. So, and I liked that character from X and I liked that actress. So, I mean, obviously. This year is all about Mia Goth, and we're just living in it. Yeah, but I need you to see Barbarians so we can talk about it. Okay, well, I'll try to do that. All right, well, American Horror Story is coming back this Halloween with American Horror Story New York City, starring the regular ensemble, including Patti LuPone. Yeah. And this is coming out October 19th, uh, October 19th and I have not seen a trailer. There has not been a trailer or teaser. In fact, I just saw the poster for it today. Yeah, this was released, this news was released like seven hours before. no. That was the next item. This news was released fairly recently, like today. Yeah, the poster looks cool. I mean, it's like some kind of like buff person in some like SM kind of like reindeer gear. You just described every fucking American horror story cover ever. I know. I mean, that's what Ryan Murphy does, right? He just like has I thought they were done. I thought they were doing their anthology and that's just a spinoff. That's something separate. I thought they ended it and we're doing the mm-hmm. anthology. American horror story has been, cause they said the last season was going to be like three years ago. I don't know. They, they signed, they, uh, after the last season, they, Maybe that have, was a negotiation tactic. <laughs> it's going to go all through season 13. So they have many, many years to go. Well, of course point. they're going to 13. Uh, okay, well, for now anyway, anyway, call me when my favorite actress is back. Patty LuPone. No. Joe Paulson. The one before Patty Lapone, the one that Patty Lapone replaced, essentially. Oh, Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm blaming you for me not remembering names. I know. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> so this next item actually just came out, and I just added it. So you may not have even read it. I have not. 
So it is Robert Eggers is officially set to shoot Nosferatu this fall with Bill Skarsgård and Lily Rose Depp to star. I mean, not cow eyes. There has been a shit ton of like speculation about this over the last year. Yeah, because Viking didn't come out with Northman. Sorry, <laughs> Northman. Didn't, Northman didn't quite get the reaction they wanted because of its huge budget with you know little follow through. Right, and they were they took it off the table. Nosferatu was taken off, so maybe someone else optioned it, and that was another yet another fucking tactic to get him, you know, back to doing smaller movies. I don't know if this is going to be a smaller movie though. So I don't know, but everything I said, everything that I've seen looked incredibly fake, right? Talking about Willem Dafoe playing that character of Orlock or whatever, which he already has done in a movie shadow of the vampire. Right. And so I was just like, okay, I mean, this can't be real, but now that you're saying, but he's an Eggers actor. So it made sense to me. Yes. And Anya Taylor joy, you know, but, you know, Bill Skarsgård is like the new horror icon or the, the one that's, you know, coming up to play all these new ones, you Apparently. know. Barbarian and such. Um, yes, but you'll still have to see Barbarian to find out. I mean, I'm going to go see Barbarian. Thank you. And Lily Rose Depp. And it's always scary to see a Depp, so. Honestly, you should have waited to watch it with me. I don't, I mean, why are you mad at me for not seeing Barbarian? We could have saw it together. Because I told you that I was going to see it and you didn't show interest. You told me the day you were going to see it. Oh, I did. <laughs> Stop it. I'm trying to gaslight you. <laughs> Lily Rose Depp. Okay. I'm out, I'm on board for this. I still haven't seen Viking. So <laughs> the I mean, yeah. So I need to, I need to watch that before the year's end. I don't think you do. I think there's way other movies that you need to see first before that, because it's just not really worth it. I mean, I need to watch it at least for our year end episode. <sighs> I'm going to watch it. Did I include it on my 2022 list? It's got to be like in the bottom. If it's not, it's not very high. If you did, I mean, no. Yeah. I think it is on my list. I think it is, but it's just nowhere near the top 10. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually very contentious this year. It's going to stress me out. This has been a really good fucking year for horror movies. Partially because we actually went to a, you know, a a, festival, a festival where we saw things we probably would not have normally seen until it gained momentum for a couple years later. You Mm -hmm. know, well, I'm glad we did that, though, too, because I'm really looking forward to that year end episode, actually. But, you know, I've been trying to pay attention, you know, so I've been seeing things like you won't be alone, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that. That was good. I need to see Hatch or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, I want to see Hatch as well. I need to go see Barbarian. I need to see Pearl. And I need to see another fucking one. I need to catch up on House of the Dragon and uh, Rings of Power. Yes, there's many, many things I need to watch. All in good time. Coming soon. All right. Well, we got a handful of trailers to talk about. At the- <laughs> you just said panty, so there's we got a handy. <laughs> we got a handy of trailers to talk about. <laughs> And we're going to start with the Hellraiser reimagining, which is coming to Hulu on October the 7th. Right. And as a reminder, this is from the same director as The Night House. Right. Which is one of the best movies of last year. So this trailer looks amazing. It actually broke my expectations. And now I'm just like loving it. And I cannot wait to see this. I completely agree with you. I was kind of like on the fence about it. Like... I, who knows what they were going to do. I was wondering if it's going to be a movie or a series. It's obviously a movie. I still got like worries. You know, it looked a little YA <laughs> with some of those characters, which, you know, the first one movie was maybe not the story, right? Hellraiser. Yes. Well, I mean, as far as like a teenage <clears throat> character, 
Okay. Right. There's teenage characters at the, at the beginning of this trailer, but then we like get they get balls to the wall and we're actually seeing like the Leviathan from like Hellraiser two, and stuff like that. So I'm really kind of it seems like they're just going for it. Yeah, I in, would agree with that in a big budget kind of way. Yes, it looks like a serious movie, and it looks like like I really love the updated classic Cenobites. You know what I mean? Like they just look really fucking cool. I am all about the new pinhead or hell priest whatever they're going to call it right and jamie clayton can fucking get it yes i am so ready for this october the 7th this is what i'm doing for sure for real well get ready because there's a lot of things coming out on october 7th yeah i know what else the midnight club mike flanagan's take on christopher pike's you know ya horror novel but i'm here for it you know because of the nostalgia and because it's mike fucking flanagan well, and I know nothing about this. I didn't read these books, you know. It's an anthology book. Yeah, so I it, I have no idea. I'm going into it blind, but I mean, like, I'm a Flana fan, so I will watch this no matter what. So maybe right after Hellraiser, I'm going to be talking about The Midnight Club. Also because, I mean, like, Heather Langenkamp's in it. Yeah. and In a legit, like, large part. Yes. And, it, I mean, it looks – talk about YA – it looks YA. And it is. It's yeah. based off of a YA horror. Yeah. You know, but knowing Mike Flanagan, you know, and Christopher Pike, it was a little bit more than that. Christopher Pike always got away with a lot for calling mm-hmm. things YA. There were some things that, like, my parents would not have wanted me to read in Christopher Pike novels with okay. sex and drugs and things like that. Sex and drugs and rock and roll? Not so much rock and roll. Sex, sex drugs, and blood. Okay. Less and less of blood. (laughs) And like really specific plans on how to kill people and things like that. (laughs) Jesus. And the best way to snort coke and like all kinds of shit is in those books. So I mean, this looks both like sad and frightening. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm going to watch this. I knew I was going to watch it anyway before a trailer even came out. So it is. And it's good. And there's multiple types of horror in it. Yeah. So We'll see if it does it justice. But one of the biggest surprises that came out from of nowhere for me was Marvel Studios special presentation called Werewolf by Night, which is also coming out on October 7th. Yeah. What in the fuck? I mean, I had no idea that this was a thing. Is this based on a comic? Do you know anything about this? Looks like some of the characters could be. And I'm sure it's part of the MCU. I don't think it's a standalone. So I know they're making a Blade movie. Do you think Blade's going to be in this? Could be. Could be about hunters, right? Well, yeah. there's a werewolf at least. It might turn out that every single person at this like dinner party or whatever the fuck it is is a monster of some kind. Yeah, right. And so there might be a lot of interesting cameos, but who cares? Because it looks amazing. Like I don't care if it ties in, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, it does because that's what I think. Probably, but I don't really care because it looks amazing. It looks like like a what was I saying? Uh, Rob Zombie's wet dream or something. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like Nos- it looks like a like the the grainy kind of like like a glowy filmic version of Nosferatu in a mm-hmm. way the way it's filmed. And there's really some cool like clue like like line delivery, you yes. know. And this it just looks really good. It seems like it's really well acted, written, and I really enjoy some of that shadow play that's going on in the background of some of the the scenes in the trailer. Right? Yeah, it looks really really neat. And I am kind of here for it. When you sent me that trailer, I was just like floored. I was like, what in the fuck is this? I know. When can I watch it? No one was talking about it as far as I know. Jesus. Was it in my circles? No, I haven't heard anything about it either, but I'm going to be there for it. I think we have the same circles. (laughs) Because we are the circle. (laughs) (laughs) We're just a line. Blessed be. (laughs) Um, 
coming to Netflix on October the 25th is Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. And I'm curious about it. Yeah. About it. I grab maybe a half chub. I I mean, yeah, I, I he's kind of put me off of the last couple of movies that he's done. So. I haven't really enjoyed the last couple, you know, but we're the last couple besides his, the, the fish one that ate a cat. Um, there was something else. That, that one he, best picture, which made me kind of, Oh, it was that Carney movie. Oh, I didn't really like that one either. I didn't care for that. A lot of people loved it. And a lot of people obviously loved the, the last one before that because they gave it best picture. I, they were both nominated for best picture. Oh my God. And that one won. I don't know what it is about us. That's just not getting him, but I like his early work very much. Yeah. Give me like the devil's, whatever the devil's backbone, backbone, every and day. pan's labyrinth. Yes. But I mean, like this, I like anthology horror. So, I mean, some of it looks really good. Yeah. And there's a lot of recognizable faces. Lots of good actors and actresses. Yes. So, yeah. Also, we have a new M. Night Shyamalan movie that's coming out in February of 2023. Oh, no. And this is based on a book that I really, really, really enjoyed. Yay. And the book, I think, is called The Cabin at the End of the World. But the movie is called Knock at the Cabin. Not to be confused with A Home at the End of the World with Colin Farrell. Yes, not the same thing. No. Um, but this looks really fucking good. And I could be wrong about the title of that book. Can you look it up, please? The Little Sleep, The Harlequin and the Train, No Sleep Till Wonderland, Swallowing a, do- a Donkey's Eye, A Head Full of Ghosts, A Disappearance of Devil's Rock, The Cabin at the End of the World. Good, I was right. Thank you. And that was actually a winner of the 2019 Bram Stoker Award for Novels and the Locus Award for Best Horror Novel. This novel is excellent. Just, it's so good. It goes in weird places, so it makes sense that M. Night Shyamalan is directing this movie. I, I can't wait to see where he takes the book a little bit. But ultimately, it's about a gay couple who has adopted like an Asian daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And these four people show up at the cabin they've rented. Like the strangers. Uh-huh. And they tell them that they can stop the apocalypse from happening, but their family's going to have to make a very serious choice, right? And I don't want to ruin anything, but it's really fucking intense from that point. And like, it's just, there's a lot going on. It's super, super like dramatic and fun and scary. It's a really good book. And I cannot wait to see this movie. And it just reminds me of watching this trailer that representation matters, right? Because it's just, it made me wonder because I was feeling the horror like twice as much just from like kind of seeing myself on screen a little bit. Right. Right. Cause it was like actual, like every day just happened to be gay couple mm-hmm. versus something a little bit more on your face. And uh, kind of like incidentally gay that we've mentioned before. And uh, I was like wondering, I was like, maybe like straight people watch movies and like, maybe I'm a little more distanced to to the horror because I don't see myself on screen as much. That's possible. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. I mean, in in this book, and I assume the movie might be the same. I mean, these characters are incidentally gay. It doesn't come up. They just happen to be a gay couple, right? They're just sort of like chosen kind of at random or have been selected as you may learn later on in the movie or certainly in the book, you know, um, kill more gays in horror movies. God it's, I mean, it's just really, really good. I fully like go read the book. It's, it's very good before you see the movie, everyone listening, you, especially Chris, like it's, it's good. I recommend it fully. It's on my list. (laughs) You know, the list we keep mentioning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> quaff oh quaff <laughs> never more <laughs> so next up we've got maxine which we already mentioned so if you want to see a teaser for this there's no characters or anything in this it's um 
It's a pretty jivey 80s uh, teaser, so it's worth seeing. That's right. They're playing some Animotion in the background. Yeah, but I, I really don't have much more to say about it. That's right. It's just a flyover. Yeah, because we already talked about the, the news item of it, I guess. That's right. Right. But go watch the teaser. You can find all these in our show notes. But we've saved the best for last. Why don't you talk to him about that one, since this is your pick, Robert? Oh, my God. Yeah. <clears throat> so Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I added this trailer to the list and didn't even watch it. I just knew that I'd watch it eventually. Now, this is not the teaser that we have shared before. This is a full stupid trailer. We have talked about this a as a news item. Stupid trailer. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big stupid trailer. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. But it almost looks like Birdemic or something. Yeah, this is but obviously like higher quality. Yeah, it's a higher quality than like like fucking Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. Or like Killer Sofa. Or but whatever. not by much. Yeah. And I mean, like, obviously the novelty here is this that Winnie the Pooh has entered the public domain. Yeah. And so people can do whatever the fuck they want with that character. And so the first thing they were treated to when it's in the public domain is <clears throat> Winnie the Pooh and Piglet going on a murderous rampage, killing off a whole bunch God. of like women. When does Mickey go public? <gasps> I just want to. What about the stabbing sounds? Get the two together. I mean, like, honestly. <laughs> the sad thing is, in this trailer, we never hear one, hello, piglet. Hello. <laughs> Which is great, because that was an It Chapter 2 trailer mm-hmm. that hello. we couldn't unhear. Hello. <laughs> I hope to God he comes up and kills someone. He's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. This movie looks stupid. It does. But I'm going to watch it. Well, I'll watch the trailer again. <laughs> I'll tell you about I'll the wait. movie after I watch it. So it's like put it on your list, quote unquote. You have to drag me to the theater to see Barbarian, but I'm Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Day up. (laughs) Seems legit. Well, guys, I think that about wraps up this month's shooting the flames. But beware, we've got a whole month of spooky season coming for you. That's right. During the spooky season, everyone loves scary stories, so we have two anthology movies that we're talking about. Coming up next week, we're doing Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. And be terrified by the mundane beigeness that is Tales from the Crypt. From 1972. Oh, there's some gold to mine there. There really is. And at the end of the month, the triumphant return of the top ten. That's right. We're going to be doing... The top 10 Treehouse of Horror episodes, or segments, I should say. Yeah. From The Simpsons. Really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Guys, we really enjoyed having this new review on this episode. And if you feel so inclined to do what Ken Aleep did, head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Leave us that five-star review. Tell us why you like us, and we'll read that on the next Shooting the Flames. Or if you want to be like Ken Aleep and Mr. E Patron of Hunter C, you can join us over on Patreon. That's right. Head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers. Join the family over there and you can get all the bonus content that we have, early access to episodes, and special things like what Kyle can choose from. So check out all of our tiers and join the family. And uh, take part in all those polls because there's some highly contested films that are coming up that's right we have polls coming and don't look um, that poll don't like that poll girl don't look that poll <laughs> just take it 
Sold. Also, we enjoy getting all these comments and questions. You can find us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or now TikTok. And you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline 972-666-7733. Knock mm, it, my cabin. Mm. My handy is wet. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, My cabinet is curious. (laughs) It's not curious anymore. It's been gay for quite some time. It has dry rot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris. I think it's time for us to go off and have some sweet dreams. dreams. Bandy is wet. (laughs) I will never forgive you for introducing me to the term pandy in reference to a pandemic. (laughs) What are we doing today? (laughs) What's with today? Today? (laughs) What should I get from my mom's pandy? (laughs) Fuck.